1: Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What took good engagement How long give? before a wedding should I send out save the How many games dates? are in the first series Use of the IMAP NBA to playoffs. check email on other email that's clients. That's Identify that's fonts
0: that's from where it. to find where We were the
1: four best years Brian Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about B2B SEO. Joining us is Brad Smith, who is the founder and CEO of both Codeless and Wordable. Wordable is a content management tool that allows you to instantly export content to any website in seconds, in bulk, in whatever format you please. And Codeless is a content production company whose content has been highlighted by the New York Times, Business Insider, The Next Web, and thousands of other publications. So far this week, Brad and I have talked about how to create your own ROI-driven B2B content strategy. And yesterday, we talked about the framework that he advises people to use to create SERP-topping viral B2B content. Today, we're going to wrap up our conversation talking about the resources that you need to build a B2B content team in 2021. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. So check out hrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right. Here's the last part of my conversation with Brad Smith, CEO of Codeless and Wordable. Brad, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast.
0: Thanks. i uh, looking forward to jumping into like the actual resources and team stuff.
1: Excited to continue the conversation and you hit the nail on the head. It's great to talk all the strategy and talk about how you're going to work with influencers. If you can't create great content, all of it doesn't mean anything. So let's talk a little bit about resourcing. Uh, The world has changed dramatically. We have all been inside for a year, except for you out in Hawaii, you get to, you know, run around on the beach and enjoy yourself. But the rest of us are,
0: you know, sheltering in place. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically... Yeah, I'm just frolicking usually most days.
1: I can't believe we actually got you to put a shirt on to do the podcast, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. We live in a more distributed world because everybody was forced into their house. It's a more digital age. So talk to me about how that has impacted the creation of content and how people are staffing out their content production teams.
0: Definitely. So personally for us, it didn't affect us a whole lot. And that's because one of the drums I've been banging for a while that I think like the rest of the world has kind of had to like come up, wake up to in a hard way, is that I think more marketers tend to focus on like, creativity and ingenuity. And those things are good because it comes more natural to those types of people. But I think that they need to be more process oriented. And I think that operations kind of hat or the operations mindset is something that's often lacking. And so what I mean by that is, the way we think of content and SEO and all this stuff is a huge like factory, right? where you have... It's like a manufacturing process where you have specialized roles. And you have an SEO person or a strategy person working with a writer who's also working with an editor who's also working with an account manager and a designer. And each person's collaborating asynchronously across time zones and everything else. And until you have that infrastructure built out, you're going to struggle hitting both quality and scale. Meaning most people like, for example, companies can find one good writer but they can't find like a hundred good writers or they can't, they could do 10 articles a month, but they can't do a hundred articles a month. And so usually one of those things break down when you try to hit longer, bigger scale, usually quality starts to drop. And that's usually an indication of you don't have the processes and figured out. You don't have the team and infrastructure figured out.
1: So I'm going to cut to the chase here. There's the notion of finding a writer who's going to work in-house, really understand your brand, your products, your services. You can find an agency that's going to try to understand your brands or products or services. And then you're going to go to a content production team who's got great writers and you could scale, but they're not necessarily invested in the products or services. How do you find the balance of in-house agency to supplement in-house and then just going total third
0: party? For sure. Yeah, each of those has their own pros and cons. For instance, an in-house person, an in-house hire, is usually really good because they do have a better grasp of your space the problems your customers are experiencing, a lot of the intangible stuff about how you guys think of something a certain way. And so they're going to understand that voice better. They're going to understand customers better. They're going to understand all that kind of stuff. The problem they usually face is scale. So they're getting pulled into meetings. They're answering emails. They're on Slack all day talking to your marketing team. They're expensive. They're also expensive. If you think of uh, not just like you can't really ramp them up and down, you can, but you can't. So you, you can't just like hire a bunch of people in-house and then turn them off six months later. You can, but it's not very nice to do things that way. And so that's not even including like, oh, California has their, their EB-5 program or you have to hire someone after so many articles and they have to be a full-time employee. And then guess what? California taxes and everything else aren't that cheap. And you got to register your business in that state. So, so there's all these other aspects to. Whereas freelancers, agencies are easier to do these things. Again, the pros and cons, agencies tend to be more expensive on the surface. Freelancers tend to be less expensive on the surface. The problem is freelancers are often harder to wrangle. And so you're often bringing in more like project management help or spending a lot of time on like speccing things out for them, trying to get them to be consistent. They they get sick, they have an emergency pop up, so they're in and out. Agencies tend to be a little better with uh, incorporating like strategy, incorporating design, being able to like give you a more fully fledged thing. So so really, it's about figuring out like where you're at, what are your goals, like all the basic stuff that you know we we harp on that that people unfortunately don't always do. But like, are are you guys ready, or do you need? Someone in-house who needs to understand your customers because you need to refine like your bottom-of-the-funnel content? Or do you need something on the scale side where you're trying to publish a ton of articles because you're competing in a big space? It's hyper-competitive. It's really about starting there and then kind of working backwards.
1: So it seems like you can break down not which resources you need in some way based on how closely tied to the customer the content is. If you're doing your homepage Content, right? Describing products, services, your sales page, you probably want that to be at least viewed by someone in house. If you're creating content that is a step away, some sort of mid funnel nurture content, maybe you can get away with an agency. If you're doing top of funnel, you could probably outsource that content because it's not specifically talking about your products or services. That can be something that's, you know, researched but done by a third party. Now, exactly. I'm going to throw in the The COVID bomb in here, which is the world was reshuffled. It's a distributed world. We're all working from home. There is no such thing as an office anymore, at least for now. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, previsibl dot I-O. So... Do I actually need to have in-house employees be local to my office? Can you basically start taking people that would have been freelancers because of their geography and start bringing them onto your team and having them in-house now that we all have the infrastructure to work remotely? How much did that reshuffle the deck in terms of the cost of labor and where you can source your writers?
0: Totally. Yeah, there's so many ways to think about it. But the short answer to your question is yes, you can absolutely have in house people not in your local area or your local time zone. For instance, I'm in Hawaii. I'm the only one here on our team. We have people based in all across the US and Europe on most time zones because we have clients in most time zones. There's a couple ways to think about it in that you can on the one hand, you can often source some roles from other places and save a lot of money. But the other flip side of that is you can also pay people in other countries, higher salaries, and get a lot more value from it, too. So it kind of depends on how you look at it or how you want to set it up. I think the key to understand is that remote work is fundamentally different because it forces people to work asynchronously. So you, if I have a writer and an editor who need to collaborate on something, but they're on completely different time zones, how do we get them to work together and how do we get the handoff from one to the other to look as smoothly as possible and to work as smoothly as possible without having those people actually talk directly in real time.
1: That's always a big challenge. And it's one of the reasons why most enterprises wanted an in-office culture. Not only does it help build the culture, it's great for retention, but you can pass learnings on and have informal chats that are, you know, not something that is conducted by Slack. You don't have to have everything be meeting. You could poke your head over the cubicle wall and ask a quick question. Yep. So is there a lot of loss in terms of the quality of content or the speed at which content is being produced now that we're primarily virtual?
0: There is and there isn't. You need a little bit of both because the caveat I would say to that is yes, you need some real time communication, especially between like a writer and a subject matter expert, for instance, because there's just certain things that they need to figure out how something to look, and it's much easier to sit on a 20 minute phone call or whatever a Zoom call than it is to trade like 100 emails. You know, the flip side of that though is, is output. So, if you're an in house person, if you're an in house role like writer, you're getting pulled into meetings, you're getting asked to review someone's presentation to copy edit it, whatever. What that means is lost productivity, lost output. So if you have people that are more dedicated, that are working on their own time zone and don't have to get pulled into Slack calls, they don't have or meetings, they also, whatever, get pulled into like all these different distractions. The flip side of that is you can usually get a lot more out of that person. And you can hire people that are actually good at what they want to do and then kind of specialize them or focus them. We're talking about writers. Another example of that is like a software developer. Like software developers don't want to sit on... Meeting. They don't want to sit on meetings. They don't want to do as many client calls as possible. But if you're able to like focus that person in that type of role and just have them do what they're good at and focus and not be distracted, then you're ultimately going to get a lot out of them. And they're a lot of times going to be a lot happier too, just based on the person they are and their personality and all that.
1: At the end of the day, moving to a distributed workforce has made dramatic changes, not only in how we communicate with each other, but also who are able to hire. And so as we start thinking about our content strategies in 2021 and what our resources are, I do think that there's opportunities for efficiencies, right? We've all got a little bit better at working asynchronously. And so it's widened the talent pool. It doesn't mean that hiring in-house is not valuable. Having somebody fully dedicated on a project it doesn't mean that you can just go to Fiverr and Upwork, find a writer, and that that content's going to be the same. But it does open up the geography pool from which you can hire, which means that it's possible to find great talent in a different market at a less expensive cost.
0: So, I mean, totally. Even if you think about it on a – we do this internationally, and I think that's kind of like your, your thought of the way I was thinking of it. But even if you looked at this more locally, like I just met with a company, a guy named Ben, who runs content over at Schedule and they're based in Fargo, North Dakota. So even look at that example, like here's a company that is based in North Dakota, a tech company, which is like, it's becoming the norm that you can run a tech company or something like that from anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the Midwest or, or in the Bay Area anymore, the, you can still find good talent anywhere. And what that means, everyone kind of it's funny, but it's not funny. Everyone's talking about labor shortages now. And you go to like a hotel or a restaurant and wait too many times are longer because they can't find enough people and all those kinds of issues. And yes, finding good people is always a challenge, but it's not a challenge or it's not as much of a challenge when you hire from anywhere. And you're just trying to filter out the best people, but and the best skill set that matches your you know culture, but also too, just trying to find the right fit. So as an agency, we're trying to find a specific type of writer. So we're looking through a lot of different people from all over the place. And it helps us hire a really good team at the end of the day who we have full-time people that live all across the world. And it makes it makes things a lot easier. Again, the downside of that is how are you going to get that person in Europe to talk to that person in California and work seamlessly together without maybe not having to, to actually talk on the, on the phone the, over the course of the week.
1: Fargo, North Dakota, your new center for writing talent for technology yeah. writers. You heard it here first from Brad Smith. Brad, always good to reconnect. Thank you for coming on the podcast and for sharing the knowledge. Thanks. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Brad Smith, the CEO of Codeless and Wordable. If you'd like to get in touch with Brad, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could visit his company's websites, which are getcodeless.com, G-E-T-C-O-D-E-L-E-S-S.com or wordable.io, W-O-R-D-A-B-L-E.io. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. All right, that's it for today. But until next time... Remember, the answers are always in the data.